We've just come through the party season. If you think about it, we had a party uh, for Christmas. You had parties for New Year's, Super Bowl parties, that sort of thing. It's like we're always looking for a party. And today we're going to talk about um, a guy named Matthew who threw a party for Jesus. And I'm going to inter- intro it with a little story about a, about a little girl and her turtle. And um, she came home one day and her turtle was dead. Now, her dad happened to be the chief justice of the uh, South Carolina Court of Appeals at the time. His name was Alexander Sanders. And she had been crying all day. He comes home. She's upset that her turtle is dead. And so he doesn't exactly know how to deal with this. So he said, well, we'll buy you a new turtle. But, you know, even at three years old, she understood you can't, like a turtle's not a toy. You can't buy one just like it. And so that didn't satisfy her. She's crying. She's crying. She, and then he says, well, we'll have a funeral for your turtle. A turtle funeral. And she's like, I don't know what that means. You know, what is a turtle funeral? Well, we, it's like a birthday party. We'll have cake and ice cream and balloons. And we'll invite your friends. And we'll have a funeral for your turtle. Now, all of a sudden, uh, it goes from a sad occasion to a really happy occasion. So she's very excited about it and all that. Except they look down and the turtle starts to move. Well, now they've already made plans, you know, for the turtle to be dead. And the turtle's not dead anymore. And and so he doesn't know what to say, and Zoe looks at him and says, well, Daddy, can't we just kill it? Uh, we need to have the party. And so um, it's like we, we really, really want to party. And, and so this year we got great things coming up, March Madness. That's a party. It's a month of partying right there. Uh, the Olympics are happening this summer. Uh, lots of things to be excited about. Well, there's a guy named Matthew in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 for a little bit. Remember, we're looking at stories that are found in at least one or at least two of uh, the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so this particular one is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It uh, makes sense it's a, uh, in Matthew because it's about Matthew. It kind of makes sense. And, but let's look at how Luke talks about um, what, what happens when Matthew begins to follow Jesus. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. We're going to talk about that, by the way. Uh, tax collectors, uh, they're not popular today. They were really, really unpopular in Jesus' time. A tax collector by the name of Levi, he also went by Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus. He threw a party at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Good news, as we've been saying in this whole series, is for sharing. We do it all the time. If your kid does something great, you post it someplace because you want somebody to know. And so they're, they're on a roll and you put a sticker on the back of your car, uh, my kid's on a roll student or whatever. Um, they do something great, you post it on Facebook. You know, they got up before noon and you want everybody to know, hey, they really had a good day today. Um, or you lose a few pounds and you want people to know. And so you post a picture, you do a selfie and you kind of suck your cheeks in. So you look thin, you know, and you're hoping everybody notices and they're going to compliment you and that kind of thing. Even today we do it, there's something called humble brag. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not, but this is where um, you're bragging, but you try to make it sound uh, humble. I've got a couple of examples that I read this week. There's a a young woman and she posted or she tweeted, um, my hair's not done, just rolled out of bed from nap, and I still get hit on. It's so confusing. It's like, no, it's not. Uh, you think you're pretty. Uh, but uh, um, uh, one dude posts, 
Graduating from two universities means you get double the calls for donations. So annoying. It's like, okay, man. And then preachers, I like preachers the way they do it. Um, baptize so many there's no water left in the tank. Praise the Lord. You know that. So we, we have this notion around, hey, I want people to know good things are happening in my life. Well, today we're going to talk about something called branding. Uh, it's a concept. You probably intuitively know it. You may know a lot about it. I kind of didn't know about it. Uh, until a few years ago, um, we were really exposed to it where I got my mind around it, really got my mind around it. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, I've got four daughters, three of which are college graduates. I have three older daughters, and then, and then we have Elise, who was a bonus baby, who came along late in life. Um, Miriam wasn't paying attention, all of a sudden we have another kid, that's how it works. And uh, we had actually heard grandkids were great, and we just cut out the middleman. We had our own. So I, in my old age, I have a 13-year-old daughter, but our three oldest have already gone through college and been through college. But when they first started looking at school, my oldest daughter is named Amaris, and so we decided we would take some college tours. Now, you may have done this before, or you may be looking forward to it someday, um, Having three girls who have been through college, I personally have been on 18 college tours. 18. You want to know what all uh, colleges have in common? Everything. Uh, they all have, a, they all have uh, classrooms. I mean, every one of them. I could do them. Uh, I could do them in my sleep. Oh, uh, here's our, here's our, um, Here are our rooms, and we have smart boards. It's like, yeah, everybody has smart boards. And we have Wi-Fi. Yeah, you know what? The whole world has Wi-Fi. Uh, We have a cafeteria. Yeah, we know you have a cafeteria. You can wash your clothes here. Yes, we know that. Uh, We have a gymnasium. Really, everybody has a gymnasium. So it's, it's a tour like that. But we had never been on one before. And so we go to this one particular school in Kentucky, now, we were living in Michigan at the time. I'm from Kentucky, so we, we already had a bit of an affinity for this school going in. It's like, you know, Amherst, we know you're going to be far away from us. If you're going to be, this is a good school to go to. It had a great reputation. It wasn't far from my, my family in Danville, Kentucky. And so she had people close, which is always kind of important. You want some folks around that could help her if, they, if, if she needs help, you know, that kind of thing. And my niece had gone there, and she had met her husband there, and so... We sort of already had a very positive vibe about this school when we showed up on campus. So, we roll onto campus from Michigan, okay, so we're, you know, 500 miles away. We show up on time, I think it was 2 o'clock, but I don't recall exactly. We go into the administrative office or whatever office we were supposed to go to, and we said, you know, we're here for um, the college tour, It's my daughter Amaris, and they're looking at papers, and they act like they don't have any idea that we're coming. Now, we've made this arrangement six weeks prior, and they don't know we're going to be there. So the receptionist says, okay, well, let me go make a phone call. She goes and makes a phone call, and she comes back, and she says, your hostess will be here in a few minutes, which is kind of annoying if you think about it, because it's like, okay, we can be here on time from Michigan, but the girl that's supposed to host us who lives on campus, uh, this one acre, can't seem to get here uh, on time. It really it was a bad start. So we sat down. I'm a little parched. Nobody offered me any water. You know, would it kill him? Would it kill him? I'd offer brother some water, but no, no, no. I don't get any water. And then we tour the campus. Now, I have to point out, she shows up, and if I, if I was a betting man, I would bet you she had just rolled out of bed because... She looked like it. You know, uh, you know I, I'm, I've lived with women. She didn't do much. Uh, so uh, uh, she showed up in a uh, too tight, too small shirt with another college's name on the front. 
first thought was, do you not sell shirts here? Uh, you know, like with your logo on? It was really amazing to me. So she shows us around, and it was, it was underwhelming, frankly. I mean, in my mind, they got branded just right off. They, they're ill-prepared. Uh, they're disinterested. Um, it was like they couldn't care less that we were there. It was as if they were doing us a favor, showing us the school. Now, it was just really a bad brand. Very next day, the next day, we had already planned a tour of another college in Kentucky that was, again, not very far from my hometown. We go. It was just the first one, my wife went with me uh, and Amaris. The second one was just Amaris and me. Um, we, I, I, Miriam was doing something else. I don't remember now. We show up. Uh, there's reserved parking for us. Uh, before we get in the door, there's a sign that says, Welcome, Amaris Vest. We get in. Uh, there's like a little tote board on the wall that has her name. Uh, today's guests are, you know, she's on there. Um, they handed me a shirt. Here's a shirt. Um, uh, during the process of the day, uh, they fed us lunch at the cafeteria that every college has. Uh, we had lunch, and uh, while we were there, one of the uh, coaches of one of the teams stops by because Amherst was going to play sports, and, and so he'd stop by and had a conversation with it. It was kind of unsolicited. And it was amazing to me the, the difference. I go to one school, and it's like we don't really care that you're here. And I go to the very next day, this school, and it's like you're VIPs at this school. There was branding going on. Branding goes on all the time. You intuitively know this. If you go into a store, if you go into a restaurant, if you come to a church, we get branded. Uh, they're friendly, they're not friendly, they, they care, they don't care. One of the reasons we, uh, we bake cinnamon rolls on Sunday mornings is when you walk in, we want you to sense that it, it's like home. It, it smells like home. It feels like home. We want you to feel welcomed here. There's a reason behind these things. Because we understand the concept of being branded. Pe- people are branded. When I was, uh, uh, when, when we used to live in Michigan, my girls would play sports, and I was a little less calm than I am now. Uh, my daughter goes to a Christian school now, they won't let you yell. It's really kind of some rule, you know, it's like, come on, man. Uh, so I couldn't yell at the refs, but back in the day, I used to yell. I was, uh, I was branded uh, Psycho Yelly Dad. I, I'm pretty sure that was my brand. People wouldn't sit around me, and by people, I mean my wife. Uh, you know, uh, nobody would have anything to do with me, it's kind of... We get branded. It's just how it works. And Jesus had a brand. It's an amazing thing. When you read about his life, that Jesus had a way. And that's the Gospels are about Jesus' life. That's why we study them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about Jesus and what he did and how he did things. And, and, and when we look at Jesus' life, he was the guy that people wanted to be around. And so when, we had, when he would invite somebody, hey, come follow me, there was nothing better than to be a follower of a rabbi, to be a close follower, a close associate, because not everybody got to do that. And so when we saw a minute ago where Jesus invited Matthew to, to come follow, that was a big deal. Your, your Jewish mom would go to the beauty parlor the next day and say, so have I told you, my son's a rabbi now, he's following a rabbi. It would be a huge, it's huge news. It's something that the Jewish moms would have posted on Facebook. Hey, my son is following a rabbi. And so Jesus had a brand. And people knew his brand. 
And, and Jesus didn't hide it. He kind of told people what it was. And his brand was, he's a peacemaker. Look, look at what he said one time. We're going to look at a couple other things, but look at this. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And you know what? That's a lot of people. There might be people in the room today who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And he says, I'll give you rest. And then he uses an odd word for us. It's odd. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke was his teaching. If you know anything about agriculture in, in centuries gone by, they would hook oxen or horses or whatever up, and they would have a yoke on them so they could control them. So when Jesus says, my yoke, he's saying, hey, the way I teach or, or my message or, if you would, my brand, my, my brand, take my brand upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. And I don't know about you, but my soul is sometimes restless. You'll find rest for your souls for my brand is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. And you can see if... If you live in a busy, hectic, stressful world, how inviting Jesus' message, his brand, would have been. So you have this guy named Matthew, and he's a tax collector. And tax collectors, their one job was to separate people from their money. That's what they did all day long, every day. They were wildly unpopular. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a second, but just understand something. Matthew was, he had a brand. It was nothing like this brand. Jesus taught in that area, and and Matthew had to have known, for Matthew to leave a lucrative business to follow Jesus, he would have heard Jesus teach. It is incredibly, it it is unlikely, and that's not even the right word, it is improbable that Matthew would leave his business to follow Jesus if he had never heard Jesus before. Just, it's just, it would make no sense. It, it's not like it was a, you know, a drive-by and, and Jesus sort of uh, just kind of walking by one day and said, hey man, follow me. And it's like, okay, I'll follow you. It would have never been that way. Even though it was an honor to follow a rabbi, it wasn't lucrative. And Matthew was about the Benjamins. I mean, he was making money. He was incredibly wealthy He had given up on religion a long time ago. He was Jewish, collecting money for the Romans in in Israel. He he had turned his back on religion a long time ago. If he wanted to be Jewish, he would never take a job with the the Romans. He he turned his back on that a long time ago. Jesus didn't invite him into religion. He invited him into a relationship, into a movement. So Jesus taught stuff like this. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And you can imagine Matthew's job was making people poor. Now you think about that. The one thing I think that Jesus did, he, he spoke truth into people's lives. And whether you want to hear it or not, it's still truth. And Jesus would teach stuff like this. Blessed are you who are poor. And Matthew, if he's in the crowd, I'm sure he kind of hunkers a little bit because he's the one making people poor. And then Jesus said stuff like this, Blessed are those who are merciful. You don't collect taxes and be merciful. This was not describing Matthew. He, uh, don't, you don't get paid being merciful. You get paid you know, breaking kneecaps and being a bad boy. You don't, you don't get paid being merciful. So Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful. And Matthew would be going, Well, I, that's not me. 
He's he's not this. He's the one that makes people poor. He's not merciful. Then Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. He's not that, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. He's not that, for they will be called children of God. And everything that Jesus talks about uh, a follower of God being, Matthew knows he's not. In fact, Jesus... He knew what he was getting when he said, hey, follow me. Now, Matthew had a brand. Jesus had a brand. He's the peacemaker. He's the one that has the light yoke. He's the one that has the brand that's easy to follow, that's good for your soul. Jesus had a brand. Well, Matthew had a brand too. In fact, we see it kind of in the next text. His brand was scum, and really that's as good as it gets. Look what happened at this party. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And then look at this parenthetical statement. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. There were many disreputable sinners among Jesus' followers. That's a cool statement, by the way. But when the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, these are the religious, kind of smart religious people, saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? A little judgmental, anybody? These parties would be held in the open. Matthew would have had this party and he would have invited all his rowdy friends um, uh, they'd have been playing that song, all my right, everybody's are going over, and then they, 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 they would be, and, and it was everybody that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. He, he, was, he was ostracized by his community. And by the way, we get our notion in our mind of a tax collector like, uh, you know, a, a, a pocket-protecting, pencil-pushing geek. Um, it's rare, but we found a photo of Matthew from the first century. Really, really rare. There he is. Yeah, so uh, rare. It's really rare. Um, he had a reputation, a brand. He was a disreputable sinner and a scum. And the Pharisees and the religious elites and the teachers of the law, the ones who knew the Bible the best, were quick to point it out. And here's the problem with Pharisees. They see what you are, but Jesus sees what you can be. It's an amazing thing about Christ. He has a way of looking past what you're into now and seeing what you might become. And so, this very Jesus, who is the Son of God, decides that Matthew is a good choice to be one of his disciples. Again, it wasn't random. He didn't just walk by. In fact, look at what it says about Jesus picking his disciples. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Before he made a big decision, this is what he did. And when the morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. Jesus was prayerful and thoughtful, in choosing Matthew to be his followers. Now, the good news is, rebranding is possible. I, I told you that you know I used to be the psycho yelling dad. I'm kind of not that anymore. I, 
yeah, there was a rule. <laughs> you can't yell at refs. And so part of it's that. But honestly, even back in Michigan, I had a pastor friend of mine, good friend. Um, we were uh, having coffee together one day, and he said, I've been hearing about you. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, at the ball games." Really? <laughs> what's, that, what's that about? <laughs> and he said, uh, there's some people from my church who told me that you really need to tone it down. That you're really not kind to people. And it's a bad look. <laughs> Do you have friends like that? Because that was a good friend. He, he thought enough of me to tell me the truth. That's why I think people like Jesus... And honestly, from that moment on, sometimes I have to bite my tongue to not say what I think. Here, the big deal is this. In eternity, in the the realm of eternity, what happens on that basketball court or volleyball court or soccer field, really, in the big scheme of things, and this applies to baseball too, by the way, or any other sport, football field, in the big scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. In the big scheme, in the eternal scheme of things. And, yeah, do referees make bad calls? Absolutely. They really probably do. Um, Do you ever make a bad call? Do you ever make a mistake? I often think about this. What if one of those referees came to my church, and I'm preaching, and I give an illustration, and I could just, uh, it would be really, uh, it would have been just if he would stand up and say, you call that an illustration? I mean, you know, he could really, I was like, um, that, that's not even in the Bible. You know, he could have really just kind of, uh, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like it. I, don't do that, by the way. Uh, I really wouldn't like that because that would throw me off. Well, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure we all make mistakes at our work. It's kind of nice that nobody comes and tells us about it. And so, Jesus saw what Matthew could be. And then Matthew throws this party. And it says he has this great banquet. Uh, many scholars believe he spent a lot of his wealth on this banquet because he wasn't going to throw any of these anymore. And he, he has, it's, the, the word literally means a mega party. He has this mega party and he invites Jesus. And now in those days the party would kind of be open and everybody could look in. And so the Pharisees would not have been invited and if they had been invited they would have never gone. In fact, the, these people, the, the tax collectors, they weren't even allowed in the churches. They, they would have bouncers, kind of bouncer guys at the, at the front, uh, in the entrance. And if those guys even thought about coming in, they would say, you're not welcome here. This is the kind of people Jesus was having a party with. Seems to be comfortable with them, by the way. And here you are, and Jesus goes to this party And the Pharisees are kind of on the outside looking in, which is exactly where they want to be. And they start to complain. And they they complain to one of Jesus's or some of Jesus's disciples. So I don't know if the disciples are kind of on the fringe or whatever, but it's like, like, hey, come here. Tell me. Why does your leader eat with those kinds of people? That was the question. And I like that Jesus didn't just leave it hanging. He didn't just let it hang. He answers the question, why does your leader eat with such scum? Jesus said, um, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. It's a great great look. Some of us in this room recently have had to go to a doctor to get a diagnosis. 
uh, you get bad enough and you figure out, you know, I'm, I'm not getting any better. This has got to be more than just a cold. I'm taking some over-the-counter. It's not working out for me. I probably need to see somebody who can make a diagnosis. That's what Jesus was saying. Th- then he kind of he, he brings it into full circle. I've, not, I, I, I've come uh, to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. He's saying to them, you guys think you've got it all figured out. I didn't come for you because you already you don't think you have a need. I, I love that Jesus hangs out with us who know we have a need. Look, if you don't know you have a need, you do. And when they called people disreputable sinners, that's us us and we have a need um matthew remembers it just a little different i I love jesus because he sometimes was a little snarky i i resonate with that I, i like a little bit of a of a little dig i like it i like it there was that time where um, they brought him a coin and said are you know who are we supposed to pay taxes and jesus said look at the coin whose image is on it, and they said, well, it's Caesar's, and Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God. And if I am one of Jesus' boys at that moment, I'm going, mm, oh, burn, you know, I am just, I am, I'm patching, I'm doing stuff, because it's like he just killed him, he just killed him with that. It was a great, it's a great comeback. All right, so this is the way Matthew remembers this. Again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they kind of look at the story. They maybe remember different details. It, it's just what they do. Well, look at how Matthew remembers this, this uh, response from Jesus. Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. <laughs> you might not be getting it, but let me, let, me, let's, let me lay it out for you. These are guys that are called experts in the scriptures. If, if you had a biblical question, these are the guys you went to. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law. These are the guys that are supposed to know more than anybody else. And what does Jesus say to them? Hey, 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 hey. You might need to check the scriptures. Go and learn, because obviously you haven't learned it yet. Go and learn what this means, what the scriptures mean. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifice, for I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. It's a great, it's a great comeback. It is a, an amazing comeback. Go learn what it means. I like that about Jesus. Who's eligible for rebranding? Well, anyone is, honestly. Anyone's eligible. Let me tell you just a little bit more about Matthew, and then we're going to close. In those days, to become a tax collector, you, you bought a franchise. So, uh, like if you wanted today, if you wanted to buy a McDonald's franchise or a Chick-fil-A franchise, it's possible if you have enough money, you can buy a franchise. In those days, if you wanted to become really, really wealthy, the thing you did was you bought a tax-collecting franchise. Uh, this was what you did. Now, there were two kinds of tax collectors. Uh, there's a guy named, uh, let me see, uh, Edersheim. He, I got kind of this stuff from him. Alfred Edersheim, that's a great name. Um, two kinds of tax collectors. There's the goodbye, which is great for a tax collector because that's what happens to your money. It goes goodbye, uh, goodbyes, and then there are the mojes. 
the goodbyes and the morches. Now, the goodbyes, they were sort of the general tax collectors. They, they collected property tax, and they collected uh, just the general taxes that everybody paid. And really, they didn't harass you. You kind of knew that was coming. And so you would prepare for it. Okay, I've got a property tax coming up. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I have an income tax. I'm going to have to pay that. The thing about the other guys, the morches, they collected taxes on everything else. Now, we have other taxes, I mean, we have gasoline tax, we have, if you fly on a plane, there's an airport tax, there's a baggage handling tax, there's taxes every, there's lots of little taxes out there. Well, the Moikas were the guys who collected those taxes, but they didn't just collect them, they created them. And so, they could tax anything they chose to tax. All right, so think about how frustrating it would be today, um, I'm rolling my card in to, uh, to city. I'm going to sell my carrots, okay? Uh, so I'm rolling my card in, and I'm going to sell my carrots. And yesterday, there was no tax on the carrots, but today, the moika says, hey, I'm going to charge you a tax on your carrots. How frustrating would that be? Or yesterday, there was no tax on your cart, but today, he's going to say, you got a one-axle tax. This is the moika. That's why they hated them. They didn't like the goodbyes. They hated the moikas because they could just invent stuff. And again, their job was to separate you from your money. And so you could never plan your life because you didn't know what the tax situation was going to be. You just never knew. And then there are two kind of moikas. There's the great moika and the small moika. Now, a great moika was the guy, he kind of stood in the corner and he folded his arms and somebody else collected those taxes for him. He was just sort of the... The boss, right? He's the boss. He, he didn't get his hands dirty with the actual collection of taxes. But he was kind of in the background, the great moika. The small moika, which was what Matthew was, he didn't care to get his hands dirty. He's just going to get the money. And he, don't have to, he didn't have to pay anybody. So now he gets more money. So there's really no way for people to dislike him more. He was the worst of the worst of the worst. He, he, there was nobody people disliked more. And it's to that guy that Jesus says, come follow me. Who can be rebranded? Anybody. You might think, oh, it didn't apply to me. It does apply to you. In that society, nobody would have been more reviled than a guy like Matthew. People hated him because he was mean and he was vengeful and he was ornery and he was... he, He just separated you from your money. And he wasn't consistent and people hated him. Anybody can be rebranded, but it's going to cost you. I don't want us to skip over this verse. This is the last verse we're really going to look at, but it's really important. Levi, also known as Matthew, got up and he left everything and followed him. Now, you know that Jesus picked other people to be his followers. Three of those guys, at least three of them, were were fishermen. So, uh, Peter, James, and John, fishermen, he says to those guys, hey, come follow me. The Bible says they dropped their nets and they came and they followed Jesus. But do you recall, if you remember, after Jesus was crucified, Jesus finds Peter, James, and John. You remember what they were doing? They were fishing. 
you're a fisherman and you give up everything to follow Jesus, then if that didn't work out, guess what you can go back to? Fishing. Matthew left tax collecting and by the end of the week, the Romans would have had somebody taking his place. He, he wasn't going to get that back. There was no going back to tax collecting. He, he wasn't going to be able to do that. He, he just wasn't. And yet he chose to give up everything. When we follow Christ, it costs us something. I'm happy that the Scriptures included a story. It's called the story of the rich young ruler. You may remember. He was a young man. He was a good guy. He had kind of kept all the law. and He came to Jesus one day and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, Well, sell everything. He kind of gave him some commandments. And the guy said, I've been doing those commandments. And he said, Okay, well then sell everything. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, there's really not a lot of difference between that request and what he asked of Matthew. Drop everything and follow me. Matthew did it, and the rich young ruler didn't. Here's the thing about the Lord. He, he'll, he, he's calling you. He wants you. He sees your potential. You're invited. You're invited. You're invited. You should know that. You're, every one of us, we're invited. But he won't make us go. We're all invited. For God so loved the world, the world, that's all of us. We're all invited, but we have to choose. We get to choose. It's a gift. We have free will. Matthew chose to follow Jesus. It cost him everything. It cost him his occupation. His reward was eternity. It's a pretty good trade. When it costs you a little something, but you get a lot of something, that's a good trade. Matthew chose to follow. The rich young ruler chose not to follow. You get to choose. But I don't want you to walk out of the room thinking you've never been invited or you wouldn't be invited because you are invited. You, you know what it takes to qualify to be invited? Just like what it, what it took to qualify to be invited to Levi's party. If you are a disreputable sinner, you're invited. Really, really good news. Because we can all be a part of following Jesus. No matter how bad, we can all be a part. Because we can all be rebranded. Really good news. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... That's really kind of the best news there is, that no matter who we are, what we've done, what we're into, what we've been into, what we've done in the past, what we're doing in the present, none of that disqualifies us from following you. Lord, I pray that you would turn our hearts toward you. And if we've never followed, if we've never made a commitment, if we've not ever sort of stepped over the line of unbelief to belief, I pray, God, that we would do that today. Help us to serve you well in all things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.